trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. And slowly it becomes clearer and clearer that even though uh, Chad uh, DeBell was uh, preaching that he is, uh, you know, in communication with, with Jesus and that he, he has uh, lifted the veil, to use the, their terms, and, and, uh, and he's uh, uh, talking in this sense, at the same time, there is now documentation of them planning to murder certain people and what they do, they hired, uh, they rented a, a public uh, storage place. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Noreen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. It was about this loud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Hey, movers. Welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Trauma. I'm your host, Collier Landry, and what's going on? I'm very excited because my dear friends, Joel and Carm from Surviving the Survivor, who have had a, their YouTube channel just blow up, their podcast just blow up. I was on their show last last year when no one listened to it, and they didn't start listening to it because of me, that's for sure. But they have been just doing some really great stuff in true crime, and we have a mutual friend, Stephen Cohen, that introduced us, and uh, I'm really excited to have them here on the show with us. So I'm going to bring them back now on here. <laughs> Hey guys, how are you? Hi. We, we faked everyone out. We're back. We're back. You know, the thing is, is that I, I meant to bring you on. I meant to take you off and then bring you. I'm still learning StreamYard. And I know you guys are like veteran pros at StreamYard because you've been using it for a hot minute. <laughs> but this if, is like. If, if we get one StreamYard to go off flawlessly, we are uh, grateful <laughs> to, the, to the tech gods. It rarely happens. So And, 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 it's, and it's definitely not in plural because I am just a passenger. He does all the in and out stuff. Yeah, they Carm's version of StreamYard when she was growing up in Yugoslavia was a horse carrying a buggy. Um, (laughs) So things have changed since then. She actually literally grew up with horse and buggy, no cars, if you can believe that. Oh, that's funny, just a bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. In that part of Eastern Europe, there were no cars. Uh, All transportation and everything happened with horse buggies. Horse and buggy, correct, correct. So I had a friend, totally off topic from the Dayball case and from true crime, but I had a friend that was from Romania. And a long time ago, I had a diesel Mercedes. And he was telling me that the reason why they're so coveted is he goes, we just, we put anything in that fuel tank. They would put radiator fluid in it. They would put transmission (laughs) fluid because these things would run on anything. He's like, it doesn't, he's like, you don't understand when you grow up over there, you will do anything. (laughs) You will do anything it takes to get that car started. It was really funny. And um, so yeah. it's not quite a horse and buggy, but it's um, 
similar. It's definitely not a test. Are, are you old enough, Collier, to remember? I think you are. The Yugo. There used to be a car called the Yugo. It was like the first no-frills car in America. It was like 6000 bucks. No, had, no, no, no. It was the first car you should jump before you drive. Yeah, it, it was made in Yugoslavia. It had no power steering, no power windows. This is like had to be mid 80s maybe i don't know i don't know Early, it's yeah, a short lifespan it was literally called the yugo after you just, and that's my mother's homeland uh so, engineering is not their uh, strong point and, so, and it doesn't exist anymore the homeland <laughs> so that, that's true that's it's true right so it, so i'm planning to fall apart too not, right not for now, a long time not, not for, for a long time and you know um I just I want to recognize you know you guys went through a recent loss and we're so grateful to have you back but I'm I'm really sorry for the passing of your husband and your father. Thank, Thank you very Thank much. You. It means a lot. Very important. He was married to this woman for uh, sixty three. Oh no no no! Every time you talk sixty two, you add a little sixty one. In July would be sixty two, and we know each other knew each other two years before, so we were together sixty four. And I'm 83 and a half. Let's get that They were married 117 years, but I do know he was my father for 53 and a half years. So it's a, it's a tough loss. It's a tough yeah, loss. I'm sorry, man. But it's, uh, we, we uh, you know, we don't even know what, you know, we are telling you it's a big loss, but you, you had bigger loss. It, it's still a loss nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had tweet, I had texted you when I saw and just, you know, just said, Hey man, you know, uh, if you need anything, reach out. Um, I would, I do want to get back to your Yugo comment. So I do know what the Yugo was. I do. I never saw one in person because I grew up in Ohio. So it wasn't exactly the hotbed of the Yugo, uh, of the Yugo culture, but I do remember my mother getting me the Hot Wheels Yugo. And I remember, I remember looking at it and going, Mommy, what is this? <laughs> yeah. It was you, so ugly. It looked a little like a Volkswagen Rabbit, a little bit. It, it did. Bit. It did. Yes, but not. I think the Rabbit was cooler. Yeah, much yeah, cooler. A poor man's uh, Volkswagen, Volkswagen Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you guys for being here, and thank you uh, so much. So, you guys have just sort of exploded in the last several months on your channel and your podcast. Yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting story, interesting evolution. Um, I pitched the idea of a podcast. So my background, for those who don't know, which is everyone, uh, is broadcast news. Um, I was a news correspondent and a producer. Um, and my mother is a licensed therapist, and she's also a Holocaust survivor, hence the name, Surviving the Survivor. Yep. Uh, and it started off as kind of like a tongue-in-cheek, kind of just a funny interview-style show. Um, a la Joe Rogan minus the 100 million views an episode. And we were interviewing, um, you know, uh, we had Carol Baskin from Tiger King on. We had Avi Loeb, who's a very well-known astrophysicist at Harvard, who uh, claims to have seen an alien ship out in the uh, universe um, and has a book out called uh, Extraterrestrial, I believe. Anyway, so we started off that way, and then the great Steve Cohen, who you mentioned, who's a mutual friend and a legendary booking producer in New York, uh, he and I joined forces, and he was very intrigued with a true crime story out of Florida about Dan Markell, and Dan Markell went to Harvard undergrad and Harvard Law School, 
and he was a professor of law at FSU, Florida State, and he was gunned down in his driveway in 2014. And I've always been a very big true crime fan, as has Karm. Why do you think you're uh, interested in true crime, Karm? Well, uh, true crime is really also psychology. Uh, and and I am fa fascinated. We have one, well, maybe the only thing in common, we are very into people and observing people and analyzing and and watching and trying to help sometimes even we are we are uh, i i studied um, i have a master's in social work and then i studied something further and i was my husband was a shrink and so it's in the family so to speak that's the family business we both yeah. like chocolate too and and that's really <laughs> a huge part of of true crime in my perception. So long story short, for I, I can do Carm Jones on for nine hours, is that we uh, <laughs> we did this story about Dan Markell, and suddenly there was intense interest. And uh, we had, I believe, 2,000 subscribers in November, and then there was this horrific quadruple murder in Moscow, Idaho. And I'm a news junkie. That was my world. So uh, I immediately... Uh, was magnetized by it and started following it. We started doing shows. We started doing shows basically every night of the week except on Saturday, and our following really just uh, exploded. Um, and what's up, Betty, Betty Damboop? Getting Betty some Damboop. <laughs> Betty Damboop. But um, so yeah, so we uh, we really have exploded. We're over. We just crossed fifty thousand subscribers this week, and uh, it's awesome to be back with you after. Uh, but I know this. the secret sauce. What is the secret sauce, Carm? Uh, the in my opinion, the secret sauce is the best guests. What what is the slogan? We have the best, best guests. Best guests in true crime. And and, the best uh, guests in true crime, and it's people just love these professional opinions, and we have assorted. We also have the, no offense to you, Collier, but we have uh, the best community next to or side by side with Collier. But we have great uh, SCS Nation. They're really into true crime. They come prepared with great questions for our guests. And, uh, you know, they reached out when my father and her husband passed away. And uh, it's been, uh, thank you, Tana. Thank you so much. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been amazing. Um, and it's continuing to grow. And uh, we love uh, the synergy we have with people like you, and I know you and Tara are, uh, you know, up to some really big and good things. I don't know what you're able to share, what you're not, but uh, it looks like you're, uh, hi, Tara, looks like you're uh, moving um, upwards very quickly uh, in all the right ways. Yeah, we we just launched our, survi uh, our Survivor Squad podcast today, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. We have two episodes well, out, so a third one coming out. Yes, it's a great honor to be as survivors on a <laughs> launching. Well, that's first, a separate. That's a just, separate. Right now, you're no, moving but, past but trauma. It's today, it is today. It is today. But but it doesn't matter if this is not it. It's the day. And is is Survivor Squad just audio, or is it going to be video as well? No, it's going to be video as well. Um, the editorial staff is working uh, night and day to prepare those episodes. AKA me doing the 500 different things that I do. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. And I was just bitching to my lovely mom right before we came on air because I have a podcast right after this. She is semi-retired, is only doing it on Sunday nights now because she doesn't like to work too hard. Um, Karma on the case. 
Karma on the Case. Yeah, this Sunday doing? night, we're going to be looking at the uh, Menendez brothers. There's a new Ooh. documentary out. Um, we did a show or two about them. It's a weird thing, but I actually grew up playing tennis with Lyle and Eric Menendez. So I, I think you told know, me that. Yeah. So I, I don't know them well at all, but I know of them. And I grew up literally on a – they were much better tennis players. They were like Division One. One played at Princeton. I forget where the other one played. Um, but it's an amazing story. And, uh, you know, and they had always claimed sexual abuse. And in a kind of the woke culture we're in today, that would never be ignored. But when they went to trial in the early 90s, the state basically said – don't consider the child abuse. I mean, these people are murderers. And now that a member of Menudo has come forward um, to say that he was sexually abused by Lyle and Eric Menendez's uh, father, uh, they now have Mark Garagos, the famed criminal defense attorney, on the on their case, trying to either get a new trial or vacate their conviction. So something might happen with that. Long story short, we're doing a show on it uh, Sunday night, but it is a it's a wild story. I mean. When I think those guys have been in prison for my entire adult life, we're basically the same age. Yeah. I'm 53. Uh, since I was in college, they've been in in prison. It's crazy. Did you follow them at all? I did. I was a little younger, so I, I followed a little bit. I think it was, you know, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. So for me, and I was, all, I was still dealing with the largest murder case in my life, which yes. is that of the murder of my mother by my father. So <clears throat> for me... I was very much, uh, you know, I tuned out Jeffrey Dahmer. I tuned out the Menendez brothers. Mm -hmm. I tuned out as much of it because I was still just coping with my own situation. Okay. Other than the fact that I felt empathy. Now, I didn't know enough about them, but I think, you know, O.J. Simpson case, for example, you know, and that was like the largest, of course. But yeah. th those were all cases that I, I understood the perspective of the family member being the victim and also the advocate. You know, I also, uh, I also really understood how heinous and how, how complex these cases are and how heinous and how they impact just the culture and the, the communities, the family, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that sort of became the impetus for me doing what I do right now, right? And, and my film and things of that nature. Um, you know, speaking of that, the Markel case, which you guys, you know, I've talked to Stephen at length about it. You know, I've talked about it. You know, um, that was just one of those. Again, I think when you look at, at crime in general, for me, I, I've never understood. doesn't make any sense. It's so avoidable. You're getting a divorce. <laughs> you're getting this. They just don't move on. And, you know, the case of the moment, obviously, is, is Lori Vallow Daybell. Yeah. <clears throat> And again, that's but that's a whole other level. And I want to get into that in a second. Well, it's interesting because I, I, you know, we again, we we pride ourselves on really having some of the best guests in true crime in terms of uh, attorneys, uh, criminal profilers, uh, psychologists, things, you know, people uh, who really know the field. And I've asked that question. Why not just get the divorce? And it's always, you know, they're narcissists. Uh, my mother yeah. doesn't love that term as a therapist herself, but um it's a sociopathy, a different but, type of person, right? How do you there, explain it? There, How do you explain there it? Are, there are, you know, the culture picks up some words which are valid words and then overuses them, abuses them, uh, and and they get kind of worn. Uh, 
and every, everybody everybody is to a certain level to a degree a narcissist 100% 100% so so that's a, that's for me just a very uh, unnecessary diagnosis uh, if i can help it i first of all well, Carm, why aren't they getting divorces why are they killing their okay, spouses okay there is something very interesting i learned so much it's a, a real learning curve, like like this guy Vinny. What was his name? Vinny Politan, who's the she insults this guy. He's the chief anchor. I know, I know, at Core but, TV. We've been no, on his I show, and he's been on our no, show. No, no, that's not the point. The point is that he said that you go on uh, participate in a criminal uh, trial, and as a let's say a defense attorney or the prosecutor. And you can get stuck in the elevator with the with the murderer, and he will be very nice and proper and understand you are the judge and so forth. But if it's a divorce case, you have to be careful. There is more. There are more murders. By the way, your your situation speaks to that. There sure. are more murders uh, related to child custody, divorce, division of wealth, and so forth. Uh, then, then is in criminal cases. So the, the one but what, of but the, what 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 triggered your dad's? What was it that triggered your dad? It wasn't that, was it? No, I believe. Well, I I believe not to overuse the term, but you know, my father is a psychopath, which is a form of narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah, which we which we overuse as narcissism. You know, again, as Karma is saying, narciss we all have, we are all narcissistic to some degree Especially because it's a survival life. mechanism. It's a survival mechanism. So you have to be like, I don't want to go into the woods at night and get eaten by the coyotes or the wolf or, you know, yeah. uh, don't poke the bear, you know. Um, but by the way, Collier, um, I never go back and listen to episodes. I don't like to hear my own voice. She, before she even gets in her car, after she leaves our little home studio, she's listening. Wait a minute. That she's watching the views. She's I reading admitted. the comments. I totally And then admitted. I'll pitch an interesting subject on because she does Sunday nights. Um, for example, there's a case out of Philadelphia, a woman named Ellen Greenberg. This is a yeah. really fascinating case. Yep. Doesn't have quite it, it has and it will um get the quote unquote hype, but she was a school teacher, uh 27 years old, engaged to a guy named Sam Goldberg. Uh, it was a very snowy night back in 2011. She quote unquote commits suicide, but she's stabbed 20 times, and 10 of them are to the back of her head and the back uh, of her go, neck. Go to, go to. And then two of those injuries, it turns out. In another autopsy, an independent autopsy occurred once she was already dead. So it's hard to kill yourself and stab yourself once you have already died. So Goodbye. long story short, we are putting, you know, we are working on helping get justice for Ellen, but it doesn't always quite get the numbers of the other shows. So Carmela sometimes no, I takes accused, issue. I takes accused issue. Joel. I accused Joel and I admit it. I accused Joel of picking uh topics that are unbelievably interesting but people are not interested in them at this moment at this juncture the people are interested in certain things and not others so he gets a double the number of people to watch him than i get and i say why don't you let me pick a subject if i pick a subject i have the, the Kyer, higher number my point is 
narcissism runs in the I, family. I, <laughs> it's, wasn't, it's not on his father's side either. Also, and every I, time we're done, my definition you of shouldn't have brought us on. This is a disaster. <laughs> but the other thing is, we finish every single show, and my first words are, could have been better. She's like, what are you talking about? I was fantastic. I was no, fantastic. I never say I was. Oh, thank you, Black Widower. No, no, I never say I was fantastic. You say the show was fantastic. The show was. <laughs> I, I deep down, I'm thinking I was good. But but the, po the point is that there is a difference between having a good self-image and being narcissistic. Maybe I'm splitting hairs here. But I think what I I listen to myself because I want to see what what I did. It's it goes so fast. I don't even know what I said or how I put my foot in my mouth. Afterwards, I watch myself. But I have to admit, for some miserable reason, I don't know the reason. I have a fairly good self image so far. Right or wrong? Uh, I would say it's very strong, very powerful. <laughs> strong self image. Yeah, I would say that's an understatement, Carm. <laughs> Yeah, as an understatement. The only, the only solution is what? By the way, I'm actually, uh, uh, I will promote this. I, I got a, my first ever book deal, and it ooh. is the same title as the podcast called Surviving the Survivor. It's I have to turn a manuscript in in July, and I've been working like a madman. And the book is not about true crime. The book is life advice from my Holocaust survivor licensed therapist mom, who also, she lost a child, which I get into in the book. So she's experienced loss. Um, and it's interesting, but I interview and, her every week now to get, you know. And, for the, the, and the book will be in the end, Kalia. Trust me about Joel. <laughs> so are you saying, Carmen, that the apple doesn't fall far from the Exactly. We are, we are two monsters. You are interviewing yeah. two monsters. Oh, but so Carmela, you were saying, so she doesn't take crap from people. And I was recalling a moment in the book where in the, we were, we lived in Israel, but this is not when we lived in Israel when I was a very young child, but we were there on a vacation and in Orthodox Judaism, a Jewish man is not supposed to come into contact with a woman. That's why um, they kind of keep their distance. It's also why women wear wigs because hair is a like sexual attraction so orthodox women wear wigs so long story short we were on a bus in either tel aviv or jerusalem i can't remember where and these are the hasidic jews you know with the curls and the black hat and uh very very holy and a pregnant woman came on and this man would not get up because he didn't want to get too close to her and my mother proceeded to tell him to go f himself and this is this is like it made me think of something you said about my mother is she doesn't care who it is. She speaks her mind. And I was sure. mortified because this is a guy that's very close to God, allegedly. But now that so old, I didn't want her telling him to go F himself and the now, whole bus, all their jaws dropped. And I forget if he got up for this pregnant woman. But This happened when I was younger and I told him of that if you want to be holy, <laughs> you know, this is not a holy behavior that in the name of the religion, you let the pregnant woman stand and you're sitting. And, uh, but uh, I think now I have a different problem that I speak my mind. You know, when you get old, you don't filter anymore. And so my filter is broken. So everything, you know, comes out too, mu too much, like the too much information thing. 
half our show, Collier, is my mom trying to remember what she was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's half the show. That's that's the what watch Magola. That's the comic relief. Yes, yes. But let's talk about murder. Let's yeah. Let's talk about murder. I was just going to, wondering. So I guess you weren't you weren't uh, invited to Shabbos dinner then, right? Uh, no, not for that. Not for that one. Not, not for that, that one. Guy. No, I'll tell you, you a quick, very quick, funny other story. So maybe you should let him. My dad, you. as we were talked about, very sadly passed away. And in Judaism, and we're not very religious, but there is something. My dad, for a while, got a little more religious, so it's important for me for him. But you say a prayer called the Kaddish. It's a prayer. Mm-hmm. And Jews pray three times a day, Muslims five times a day, Catholics, I don't even know. They Maybe play every, every day. Do they when they're in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they're in trouble. I don't know. But Jews pray three times a day. I cannot go to a service three times a Actually, day. So I pick they pray twice a day. Catholics? Because the Jews, the Jews because they the combine morning and they combine the two afternoon ones. Uh, they and they bridge and simplify. Very long story short, Kyle. The whole reason I brought this up. Uh, that is correct, coffee buzz. Carm <laughs> gives zero Fs, but she will yell at you because she spells it with a K, not a C. No, um, I will not yell at <laughs> so, one, you know, one of the nobody forget it. Anyway, oh thank you, Black Widow. I appreciate that very much. But uh long he, story short. He toward, got so used to running the show, he won't let you interview him. Can you be I'm going, so long story short, you have to say this prayer once a day. So I go and I was going in the mornings where it's a lot of people, but then it's right down the street from me. But then I started going because they also do one late at night for people who can't make it, and it's at ten o'clock at night. And when you go to the ten o'clock at night one, it's like the secret one, and they're all these Hasidic Jews. The same the ones that you met in the And past. it's like I'm in a it's like I'm in the book The Chosen. I don't know if you ever read that, but it's mm-hmm. like I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, stuck in the 1800. It's the weirdest thing. But and I joke with my mom, they do it so quick that I, I tell her it's not religious enough for me. But these are the most religious Jews you'll ever meet. But anyway. But so you're you're talking about being stuck in Williamsburg. I'm thinking you're you're walking around the aisles of B and H photo of video down on Broadway. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. That's what so. it looks like. That's what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. Every people has uh, very weird people in it. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't mean to hijack the show. Go no, ahead. No, no, you know, it's really funny is before is before this, I was thinking to myself, my God, you know, they're gonna have to be off at like fifty five till the hour. And like, what am I going to talk about the whole time with them? Like, uh, they're going to be done in like 15 minutes. And here we are. We haven't even started talking about the big thing that we want to talk that I want to talk about because you guys are so up on this is the Lori Vallow Daybell case. And- well, let's, let's. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll tee it up and let Carm take over. But for those who don't know, she is a, she was a self-proclaimed devout uh, LDS member, Church of Latter-day Saints, AKA Mormon. And uh, she is now on trial and has been, this is week five, day 22 today, for killing both her children and her husband's uh, former wife. He never divorced her. Um, yeah. So she's on trial and it gets into, they, they thought that there was lo- uh, darkness in people and zombies. And Carm, how do you diagnose Lori Vallow Daybell? Um, why don't I let Collier ask? question well the thing i think that you know was she flds or lds or was it because she worshipped him because he's he's the one with the messiatic syndrome right yes definitely definitely Uh, um daybell jad daybell is what i'm speaking of so yeah and the, the you know she murdered 
well, she is on trial for murdering her children. But I think she's been pretty callous in in just uh, in listening to the tape of her sister pleading with her and saying to her, why did you have to do this to them? I don't see. She's like, I, I don't understand if you're if you're supposed to be connected to the prophet, meaning Jesus or Joseph Smith or whoever this is. Or I think she believes Daybell is the reincarnation of, of Christ, I believe. I watched the documentary. Well, he believes that as well, that he believes that they were married in previous lifetimes yes. and that he was the, I want to say he believes he was the brother of Jesus. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I, and she was saying it's not FLDS. Somebody said, I was thinking it was FLDS. So she is literally saying to her, her sister, who's saying, I'm trying to find the scripture where it says to burn these bodies. Talk about her, 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 her children, which is, you know, uh, uh, Tylee Ryan and JJ, who it, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And they, they basically, you know, murdered these children. They tried to dismember them, burned their bodies, and then went on a honeymoon because they got married to celebrate their love and they're taking pictures. And her sister's on the phone with her trying to understand you're, you're off posting photos of being in love. <laughs> and uh, it's just. Yeah, but we have to say, we, uh, I I feel compelled to say this. It it has it starts in the later saints uh, church latter day latter day saints church, but it 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 wears away so far that you cannot even say that it's already part of it. It's not, and we and, and people should not assume that uh, the seventeen million people who are in you know parts of this church. Oh, of course 70, not. Uh, have anything I, I, to do with it, but no, absolutely I, not. And, and and there's so many lovely people who are Mormon, just like there are so many lovely people who are Catholic, Christian, Jewish, even of Jewish. all faiths, Muslim. They're wonderful people that are part of these faiths. It's just like you know the police, and people will will vilify or excoriate the police department when one Derek Chauvin murders someone. Yeah. And, and, and then that, that puts a stain on, you know, there's riots across the country and that's not the people that they want to do good. Like most of the people that sign up to be in law enforcement and to risk their lives are, are doing it for the right reasons and care about hundred percent. We've actually had a guy on who's so fascinating. His name is Rick Allen Ross. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like the world expert on cults. And uh, he came on to, to, you know, make sure there's, he differentiated, obviously, this this has nothing to do with LDS other than that their roots were in that religion. But it could have been they could have been Jewish. They could have been Catholic and just went way overboard, sure. uh, believing in demons and things of that nature. Um, and they believe that their kids were zombies. Uh, were zombies. Yeah. But, so but, was... but watching the trial. No, you cannot watch the trial. The the judge decided that you can you have no uh, camera in the courtroom. So you hear. Uh, in the after the the day of in the trial, you hear what they said, and slowly it becomes clearer and clearer that even though uh, Chad uh, DeBell was uh, preaching that he is um, you know in communication with with Jesus and that he he has uh, lifted the veil to use the, their terms. And and uh, and he's uh, uh, talking in this sense. At the same time, uh, there is now documentation 
of them planning to murder certain people and what they do. They hired, uh, they rented a, a public uh, storage place. They took off the spare tire from a, a Jeep. They, they installed a, a silencer gun in the back. They tried to, to kill somebody who was in their way. In other words, it's becoming clearer and clearer that they were dishonest mm. even in their uh, By the way, I never knew it's, it's, illegal, it's illegal federally to own a silencer. I never knew that. But How, you, how did you not know that? I, <laughs> I don't commit <laughs> a lot of murders. He, but he, exactly. I'm not, yeah. Jewish guys from New Jersey aren't the biggest gun guys. I guy. guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I grew up did in Ohio. Grow, did you grow up hunting? Did you hunt? No, I was not a hunter. But I was, you know, I was taught... <laughs> So from a very early age, well, my father had a firearm and my mother had a shotgun in the house. You know, why she never used it on my father is beyond me. Mm. But my father had a, what he called a sidearm in the military and he showed me how to load it. We never went shooting. But then when I was adopted at age 13, my adopted family, they owned guns and rifles and they took me to go shoot on my uncle's property. And I'll never forget it. And they'll never forget this either. My brother still remind my, who's, who's my half or my adopted brother. Cause they had a natural son. He's three years younger than me. He just turned 42 a couple of days ago. Uh, he, I, I, I had the gun. I think it was like a 357 or something. And I had it in my hand and I turned, and I was like, is this, is this what, and I've got it. <laughs> They're like, put the gun. <laughs> so I learned about gun safety very early on. I never did that again. But uh, yeah, no, I definitely knew that you could not get a silencer and it was illegal. It's like a mandatory, like, you know, like 10 year prison sentence if you get caught with that. Yeah. And how these people even get them is beyond me. But obviously you can get anything. Uh, they, yeah, they're bad, 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 bad people. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, 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 can I ask you a question? It has nothing to do with Lori, but it has to do with this and your yeah. story. But, how old were you when you knew that your dad was a psychopath? I mean, did you know this before the crime? I knew that my father was an asshole. <laughs> can mm. I say? Can I say that on YouTube? That's I knew that he diagnosis. was a really it's your show. How, I, how old I, were I, you? When a, you that? I mean, just he was just always abusive to my mother and I. So I knew that he was, you know, that I knew that he was just he was a jerk, and I don't think that. I really understood. I didn't really understand his psychopathy until I was sitting across from him in prison. And mind you, I had visited him hundreds of times before that. But finally, when I questioned it, I was actually going to play something for our audience because one of the things that they were talking about on the Daybell trial is that she had, you know, they had smashed the back of their skulls. They had, they had suffocated the, um, I believe it was JJ with duct tape and then the, the plastic bag. Mm -hmm. And I confronted my father in my film, A Murder in Mansfield, about this. And I was going to play this clip because I'd love to see what you have to say about this, Carmen. I want to see, it. see it. Yeah, yeah. She was lifeless. She was dead. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. How did she get a plastic bag over her head? I put the plastic bag over her head. I put it over her head because I was just afraid to look at her, scared to look at her. Not to suffocate her. Not to suffocate her, no, not at all. I don't believe you. Wow. So that was. <laughs> wow. What, that uh, was. Yeah. Carm, what's your reaction to seeing that, Carm? 
Are you alive? Uh, no, it, it, he absolutely, with a completely straight face, he says that he put the bag on not to see her, a see-through bag not to see her. Uh, and I love the fact that you said, I don't believe you. I mean. Yeah. What did he say after, after you said that? Well, I think he says something to the effect of, well, you can choose not to believe me, but it is the truth. I'm telling you the truth, Collier. And before that, he was trying to explain to me how, you know, so my father's story had changed so much from the trial to over the years, which is my mother left and got into a car at the end of the driveway in the middle dead of winter, left her children, left everything, you know, didn't even take a coat. And then it turns into this during the film where he is saying that they got into an argument. He pushed her. She hit her head. He he then uh, tried to perform CPR on her. Never never mind. Try to call 911. And he panicked. And then I and he said, oh, I didn't suffocate her. I didn't. Oh, did this. And that's why I said, well, how did you get a plastic bag over her head? Because. You know, and I've shown in other clips of my story, my mother's cause of death was suffocation by this plastic bag. And because my father had bludgeoned the back of her head with something, which is what I firmly believe is what woke me up in the middle of the night hearing those thuds. And then that's what caused her to suffocate. And they when they found her body, she had a plastic bag over her head. Wow. Um, have you when was the last time you visited him? I have not seen him since I since he walked out of the room in the film, and that was twenty the end of twenty sixteen. But his birthday, his eightieth birthday, was on Monday. Oh wow! He turned eighty, which is his thirty third birthday that he spent incarcerated or in custody. Wow! Um, and I wrote him a letter. You did for his birthday. I did. And I and I helped. I had some help from ChatGPT, and I'm going to do a video about it. <laughs> oh wow, wow! Carm, do you know what ChatGPT like, is, Carm? No, you don't know what ChatGPT is. AI. It's a, new, it's a new artificial intelligence. It just, I don't. I've never used it, but it creates like. Oh, oh is it, that the one that writes uh, term papers? <laughs> yeah, term you can papers. write anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but you you called it term tables? No, term papers. Term paper. My life. Yeah. Term paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Old age comes with dry mouth too. I'm just fascinated by this. I'm fascinated. Damn, I know. Damn I, zag. No, I, I know we were talking about Lori, but I'm I'm fascinated. I mean, just to think, does your has your father ever told you what it's like being in prison? Have you discussed it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, over the years for myself discussing, I love how we've just turned, completely turned the tables, by the way. Yes, sorry. Um, no, it's, it's all good. It's terrible. It's a terrible <laughs> habit. No, no, but, this is, but he's working media his whole life. Freak, but now my son is. Well, I'm very, I'm very, I'm curious. No, but you're, but you've been in journalism your whole life. Um, uh, so for me, you know, I always saw that experience because I went to visit him. I maintained a relationship with my father for you know, 26 years at that time. And I saw him in various stages of incarceration and I got to see what incarceration was like. I mean, I've been in every area of that prison and that he's currently incarcerated, which is Marion Correctional Institution and in Ohio. And uh, it is, yeah, it's, it, it's the one thing that I gathered from all of it that over the years is prison life is all about routine. And anyone that I've ever talked to that's been incarcerated says the exact same thing. You get locked into a routine. You're, you're forced into a routine like 
you are in the military or you like you are in any controlled environment, whether it be a religious cult or whether it be, you know, the armed forces, but you, you get into this routine and this habit. And that's how a lot of people who go through the incarceration system, they keep their head down, they just do their time, they get out. But then it becomes so ingrained in you that that's all you know. But why did you, or can I also ask you a question? Yeah, why did, why no. did you continue to have a relationship with him by visiting him for 26 years? Because I wanted to understand. I also wanted to, to do something with the story and I always wanted to find out why my father murdered my mother. That was the forefront of everything that I was doing it all for, was I had to find these answers out. And that's why I pursued a career in entertainment, because I was like, I'm going to make a film out of this. I'm going to do this. And that was, for me, the biggest... I, I, I wanted to get those answers. And I mean, it's a very extreme way to do it. Like, okay, I'm going to go to a place where nobody knows who I am and come to Hollywood and I'm going to figure it all out and then I'm going to make a movie with a two-time Oscar winner and that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to do this to find my answer of why he murdered my mother because I was just, I never understood it. And in the film, I read him a letter that I wrote when I was 13 years old that he sent back to me. I was just asking him to admit why he did what he did. And um, he's, as you see, is completely incapable of anything remotely approaching the truth. Yeah. Do you well, love your do you love your dad? Of course I love my father. Of course, that's why I wrote him a letter because I thought to myself, you know, he's 80. I hope that man lives to 120, by the way, because he's my genetic petri dish. So if he can make it, you yeah. know, I can make it to at least 70. I'm like, all right, yeah. here we go. You look but, good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm 75 right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I kept thinking, uh, you know, he's you know, he's got uh I <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a really difficult thing to explain because I feel I feel sorry for him in a lot of ways, and I know that he doesn't feel that way towards me at all. You know, he doesn't have any empathy for me or what I've been through. It's all about him. But I, you know, I'm my mother's son, and she instilled in me, you know, the the core of who I am as a, as a human being, and to love and care and 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 have empathy. And I remember my mother would always say to me. Collier, don't worry. Your father loves you in his own sick, weird way. <laughs> That's what she would say to me. And I think that at the very core of all this is just, uh, you know, a kid trying to not to, you know, for me, I always wanted to see, could I be that person? And then when I was sitting across from him in the prison, I realized I was not that person for the first time in making the film. But I, I also wanted to try to find some sort of connection with him. Like, can there be anything that I can connect with this man on that's not just on the surface talking about basketball or sports or, you know, uh, politics, religion, whatever, you know, something that could be a fundamental core and it's just not possible. I knew that I'll never be able to relate to him. He is, he's a bright man, no question. So intelligent. Right? But is he in touch with himself. The, it, you know, it, like even the minimal minimal awareness of what makes him tick. I don't think so. And I think that I, I, I don't think so. And I and I think that the thing is I don't think he can go there. 
Because if we take back, you know, I know you don't like to talk about narcissism, but if you take back the fundamental core of what narcissism, what it's rooted in, right? And, and narcissistic personality disorder, psychopathy is a part is a derivative of that. You are dealing with someone who is extremely insecure and unsure of the world. And that's why they act out in these ways. And I think that, and I'm saying this as someone who has a lot of compassion for the most heinous of people, but I think that, and this is what really, why the Lori Vallow case has really resonated with me is seeing all of this, is I think that it's just too far to go. You know what I mean? Like that, like the John Updike novel, too far to go, but but not this. We're not talking about the maples. Um, it, it's it's too far to go to go to those depths to recognize and to have that connection with themselves. That's my opinion, as someone who's just lived through it and seen how my mother was, seen how my father was, how he treated us, how he was with other people, and how everything in his, you know. It was really odd because I would visit him in prison and inmates would come up to me. Like I go to the vending machine to buy him like a Reese cup because he loves Reese cups, as do I. But he says, um, I come up the, they, they come up to me at the vending machine. They'd be like, you know, I just want to tell you how instrumental Doc has been in my rehabilitation here. And he's taught me how to read or he's taught me about Jesus or he's taught me about my dad would host like Toastmasters and you know, all these things. And I remember thinking like I'm talking to these inmates and I'm saying, and I would say, you know, that's so great. And I'm thinking to myself inside, that's so great. I'm so glad my father has been a positive influence on you. And then I want to say continue, but of course it does no purpose, but destroy the facade that they've put in their mind and probably the good progress they've made inside. But I wanted to say like, and you realize that the only reason he's doing this is for his own narcissistic, for his, own, for his own benefit, for his own selfish benefit to show good for the parole board, to curry favor with the guards, to curry favor with the prison administration, all of these things. So they're living in this sort of, oh, he was so beneficial to me. But it, at the same time, I'm going, you know, that's great that he's done that for them and he's helping people, but he's doing it for all the wrong reasons. Just like when he was a doctor, right? You know, it's that that's why people who are often, who often have these, personality disorders to put it mildly are are in positions of either power where they're idolized looked up to where they're able to play the role of the hearer or the nurturer because it it feeds into their ego and it's actually it's a double it, 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 it it's a symbiotic relationship because they're giving the care or or the attention that this person needs and they're actually helping this person, but it has nothing to do with the person. It has to do with them. Yeah. And that's the thing that took me so long to realize my entire life, because I would say, why is my father such a great doctor? Why do I see my father uh, uh, being so kind to other people? Why is he not this way with his family? God, I really went into it. No, that's, <laughs> I was going to ask you, oh, do, this was, this was very... do high profile cases like Lori Val, do they, Trigger is not the right word, but they must capture your attention, right? I mean, oh, 100%. And I, for a very long time, steered away from talking about other true crime 
but then I see the success of all the, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? And people are asking me saying, we want to hear about your opinion about true crime. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just talk about it. But for me, I see when I, because I watch a lot of documentaries. This is why I got interested in the Murdoch thing. And my, my adopted mother, Susan was very into the Murdoch trial would be texting me and like, you see this? And I was like, no. And I got into it like much later in the game. Like you guys were all on it and I didn't get into it into it until march mm -hmm. but i remember just watching the documentaries i watched the lori the sins of our mother documentary about lori vallow obviously and i look at these people and i see like how my father has utilized religion when he's in prison so it exonerates him and it and it's a, it's a tool of manipulation and that's not to say that religion is that you know people believe in you know, Buddha, Jesus, you know, uh, Muhammad, you know, uh, the Torah, whatever have you, like, that is all good. I am not putting down religions at all. But some people weaponize it and then use it for their own selfish purposes, whether it's to exonerate themselves for their, quote, sins <laughs> or, or to be allowed to perpetrate and inflict damage on other people around them and this destruction. And I see that in Lori Vallow because I see it with my father. So my father became very religious. He wrote a whole dissertation to get his master's in theology while he was in prison. And I have yet to read it. A family member of mine read it, and it's like a thousand pages. And they said, yeah, it's all about him being wrongfully incarcerated, but it's got these subtle threads throughout it. You really should read it. So I'm going to have to take that up one night. Uh, the, uh, this, uh, I wanted to ask this question. You led me into the question. Uh, who visits him other than you visited him? I don't know. I know that many people did. I don't know who does now. I have no idea. You know, one of the things we learned, for example, that women go for men who are incarcerated. Oh, look at Alex Murdoch. He's yeah. got like like hundreds of letters. I did a video box. I just thought it was outrageous. And I remember my father had a woman come in. At, at, you know, she was like a grandmother. I mean, she was at least 30 years older than him. And I remember, oh, I remember seeing them kiss. And I was like, who is this woman? It was very, very disturbing to me. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Wow. So you, does he does he say either in the letters or in person that he loves you? Does he ever verbalize? Oh, he does. That? Yeah, he does. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Love and miss you bundles. I mean, because I read the letters on the podcast or on my show on my channel a lot. And he he said, somebody says, I'll be at your place waiting for you guys. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that. Uh, it says women with hybe. I don't know what this is. Is this something? Hybristophilia, love men in jail. Hybristophilia, never heard of that. Never, never heard, heard the term. Either. I have to Google it. Carm yells at people to Google if you don't know. So I'll have to Google that. Um, but I think that, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, and I think when I see, I, I, I think these leaders whether or these leaders these these individuals that people begin to uh um idolize uh, you know they have this you know very messiatic or messiah complex about them and it it just starts to spiral out of control and i think that that's the, the case with Lori Vallow, for example. And I think it's interesting that Karma was mentioning earlier about the court, about the cameras in the courtrooms and the trials not televised and this, that, and the other. And I wondered a lot of it from everything that I've seen. She's very narcissistic and shallow, obviously, and into her appearance. And I remember talking about how 
she uh, had red lipstick and somebody was saying, oh, they do that with the Jolly Rancher. And I'm like, no, they don't. They do that with red Kool-Aid because I've seen it <laughs> in prison. I've been there. My father explained that to me. I'm like, how do they have, how do these guys have lipstick on? Because there's obviously prostitutes and in mm -hmm. the prison and I saw them and he's like, yeah, it's Kool-Aid and red dye and you put it on your lips and it stays permanent that way or semi-permanent. So that's how she was putting on lipstick. So I think that one of the reasons why they decided to take those cameras out of the courtroom or not allow them at all is because that was just feeding into her. Wow. Yeah. Carm, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, I think definitely, I mean, uh, judging by myself. <laughs> but, no, uh, I, think, I think definitely uh, uh, she, she needed an audience to perform. Yes. Okay, so now she was sort of uh, deprived of the audience. They all are performing. What's his name? Performed to... Uh, Murdoch. Murdoch performed. But Lori Vallow, it's weird because we've also talked about one of the shows Carm pitched to do, which we did, was her inner circle of friends. Why didn't they speak up more? But she had like these cycle of friendships. None of them really seemed to last very long. Um, For sure. Well, she threatened to kill one of them. She said yeah, she could chop them up and burn them. Is what yeah, she, just, this woman that, just testified. Yeah, that just came out. She was on the stand yesterday. Yeah, a woman named Audrey. Um, yes. So, yeah. So, uh, some. It's a it's a very bizarre, very dark case. I mean, Alec Murdoch was very dark, but this is, I think, levels uh, well, wilder the, than that. The, and what what is interesting, and and I I brought this up during one of the podcasts, is that we we um, wait a second. I have a senior moment. Hang <laughs> oh, in boy. there. Hang in there. Oh boy, oh boy. I was thinking of something funny though, not uh, not crime related, and that is one. My mom has a lot of. Uh, sayings a lot of karmisms and one of them is whenever uh, since star wars in 1978 she always say may the force be with you when you go somewhere but today is may the you know today's the fourth. oh may they the say, may the fourth be with, be with you. you i thought of that. i saw that somewhere <laughs> has nothing to do with anything but so cheeky thank yeah. you for, for no, but I, I usually remember when i when i'm Many times when I'm cut off from a thought, it comes back. Now nothing is coming back at this very moment. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it yeah. was very interesting. I know uh, that I remember. It was an interesting little tidbit. So, Collier, you're doing, friends, you're doing very cool stuff, man. I mean, that doc is amazing that you uh, produced with uh, Koppel. And, uh, yeah, now and you know what? Tonight I have a new, uh, both Tara Newell, and myself have a new docu series special uh, on Vice News. Oh, really? And it is about the ethics of true crime. So, Survivor Squad is featured in it, and uh, it's very exciting. But and is that online? Is that can we see it yeah, online? That'll be on Vice News at ten p.m. tonight, at ten or eleven tonight. Oh, wow! Which is, I believe it's on Showtime. I mean, obviously, Vice News is going is very rapidly going out of business. They're, you know, they're in, in bankruptcy proceedings at the moment, looking for a buyer. But yes. Um, so I'll, that is something. And then I've got this channel on the show. Yeah. I'll, Make sure um, you send Karma a link to this show because she's definitely going to want to watch oh, herself. Now, now he's <laughs> he's always painting me in very negative uh, light. It's too light. It's true. Karma, you call me a narcissist. I'm just saying you're going to sit there and watch this all over. I I don't. <laughs> do you ever watch with, with your own uh, uh, episodes? I can't stand the sound of my own voice. 
but <laughs> I, I do you are sometimes both people. I because I realize that I make a lot of mistakes sometimes. Like, <laughs> so what, you know, you know what, Joel did? I'm going to go back and fix something. I'll be like, Oh, I can't believe I just said that. Oh, you know what Joel did? He gave me a t-shirt with a, with a, like a Roman statue or a Greek uh, statue. Socrates. It is Socrates. That's what it's supposed to be. Oh, what do you think it is? And what is the? I mean, the and it's a it statue. Says, it's it a Socrates. Mediocrities. Instead of Socrates, like mediocrities. He, he considers me mediocre. I don't consider you mediocre. No, because you think if I want You're to the best see mom what there I is, create, I just say you don't have many, a very how high many standard. Old ladies, eighty-three, are on podcasts, <laughs> and then they can watch themselves. Listen, it's not many. <laughs> Look, Kitty on the, on the chat said, Carm can do no wrong. Look at that. That is true. By the I, way, shout out to I Baby do Doll, no. who I saw earlier. Wait, Vice Land or Vice News? Which Vice one? News. Vice News. Right. Vice News. Oh, I guess I can yeah. post a comment. Yeah, yeah. Vice News. Right. Brendan Fisher, Vice News. I love it. Love it. I think uh, this is what I wanted to say. Yeah, they filmed at my house. The, I remembered now. Can I to say it? Yes. That You see, what happened with Lori Vallow Daybell was that she declared that she does not have doesn't want to be uh, excused on grounds of mental illness in other words she doesn't want mental illness to be brought up and she wanted mental illness to be completely left out and so there are no discussions you know she they had to stop the trial twice yeah. Because of, of her being hospitalized. Not this trial. They had a prior to that because of uh, competence. Yes, competence. Yeah. And she uh, she voted that off the reservation. And so and so now they cannot even discuss her mental state, okay? Which I'm glad about because otherwise they would say, Oh, she's just crazy, you know, and that with that they would take care of the business and it would be finished. But I think that it's not as simple as that. I think that she was manipulating. She needed to be in uh, center stage. Even if she had to step on 10 corpses, she still wanted to be center stage. And she wanted what she wanted when she wanted it. And she was a very evil person in a certain way. Uh, because even if I had a demon and I was possessed, okay, don't kill me. Just try to get rid of the demon. Speaking of center stage, Carm, we've got a hop because yeah, we have our own podcast. Say, you, guys, you guys need to be center stage in about three and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Collier, thank you so much for having us. It was really awesome. Uh, thank you for having Carmela. I'll speak for I her. I have to say what happened to me. Because you're, I'm familiar with you, I talk to you as if you know we are familiar instead of formal. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, Collier, it was awesome. Thank you. Just make sure you send me the link so she can watch it. Oh <laughs> yeah, my for God. sure. Evil. I want to say thank you to all my channel supporters here on YouTube. Thank you to all my Patreon supporters. Some of you also support me on Patreon and here on YouTube. It means the world to me. It helps me keep the lights on. It helps me do this show. It helps me create more of these shows because the more, and, and again, if you can share this show, share the podcast with others, it really helps. It helps grow the show. It costs nothing to like, subscribe, ding the bell for the alerts. 
and and if you are liking the content that I'm creating, the more that this channel grows, the more content I get to create, the more I can do these shows more than a couple of nights a week. And the more I can bring on great guests like Tara, like Joel and Carm and others in true crime, like we had Dr. Kenny Kinsey a few weeks ago, uh, it, it really helps. So I appreciate you guys just getting the word out. Thank you so much for all your support. Uh, it means the world to me. And there's merch as well. And there will be more work merch coming out in the next couple of days over the weekend. I'm going to do a shirt with my face from the trial on it and a couple other fun things. So check those out as well. And uh, if you support the Patreon, you get 10% off merch as well. So uh, on that note, I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Landry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.